Five of the nation's top scientists were preparing to review the peer-nominated candidates for a prestigious science award, the American Geophysical Union's Fellows Program, when they discovered that something was terribly, terribly wrong with the nominations. They discovered that the nominees were white guys. Whew. The fellowship was open to women and black people and every other type of person too, but it just happened that none of them were interested and nominated. So instead of going ahead and just picking the winners like they were supposed to do, the scientists on the selection committee decided to cancel the process altogether. In the words of Helen Fricker, one of the panel members, the mere presence of the white men, quote, was kind of a bit of a showstopper. Meanwhile, AT&T calls white people the problem. A Florida school board takes elementary school students to a gay bar. And the Biden administration promises to pay illegal aliens nearly half a million dollars each for breaking our most basic laws. Welcome to the spooky, wild world of identity politics. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Big Bad B-Rob, who says the quote-unquote Christian university that I work for is working on charging students for getting COVID until they get the Fauci ouchie. What happened to the virtue of prudence? Well, B-Rob, no man can serve two masters. And a whole lot of Christian universities, when push comes to shove, when, when you really come down to the tough issues, choose a different religion. They choose the religion of liberalism. They choose the religion of progressivism, wokeism, whatever you want to call it, over their nominal faith. And it has led to a lot of terrible social problems. Just on a really basic level, this kooky religion of liberalism and progressivism, it's it's causing prices to jump up all over the place, whether you're at the grocery store, whether you're at the gas pump. But I've got a solution to that last problem. That would be GetUpside. I am so happy to tell you about GetUpside. This app came just in time. Right now, gas is going through the roof. I am going to save you at least 25 cents for every gallon of gas that you pour every time you fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That means up to 50 cents cash back per gallon. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Download the app for free. Use promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to three hundred bucks a month in cash back. There's no catch. Your cash gets right added into your bank account. Cash out anytime to your bank account, to PayPal, to an e-gift card for Amazon or other brands. Download the free GetUpside app. Use promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That is code at Knowles, W-L-E-S. You're welcome. The scientists, they can't win their award because the nominees are white guys. Now it'd be very bad. Now it just, it, they just happen to be white guys. If you just, if you look at the scientists, they just disproportionately are white guys. It's not like there's a lack of incentives and encouragement for other people to go into these fields. They just don't. And so, but that's really, that's a big problem. 
we need to cancel the NBA awards. You know, you know those NBA awards that I assume that they have at some, we need to cancel them because did you know that the nominees are disproportionately black guys? That's unacceptable. We can, every, there has to be exactly every award needs to have exactly what 12% nominees black and then so, something like what's 60% white and, uh, 50% women, like what, 51% women. And it's all got to be exactly representative of the population. Of course, that wouldn't be the case either, though. Instead, when you look at these awards, actually, the, the, women, the women are less likely to be nominated or the minorities are less likely to be nominated, but they're much more likely to win once they are nominated to make up for some perceived historical injustices. It's not just going on at the Science Awards. Christopher Rufo, who has been absolutely dogged in his fight to anathematize critical race theory. Uh, Christopher Rufo has a scoop that AT&T has created a race re-education program with a certain materials claiming that, quote, racism is a uniquely white trait and teaching employees, quote, white people, you are the problem. We've heard this for years. This was even being taught a little bit when I was in school. It was starting to bubble up when I was in school. Now it is the mainstream view uh, of, of these race hustlers that black people can't be racist. So you get someone like that kooky Rutgers professor who we heard from yesterday on the show who said that white people are spiritually and morally deficient. <laughs> and who's that? Or you hear this from Nick Cannon or you hear this from a lot of black nationalist types over the years. They can't be racist because racism, we are told by these people, is the marriage of, you, you know, uh, racial antagonism and power. And because we are told that the only people with power are white guys, then the only people who can be racist are white guys. Of course, that's not the truth. The only group that it is illegal to discriminate against is white guys and to a lesser degree, much lesser degree, white women and to a still pretty significant degree, Asians. But the top of that list is the straight white guys, especially the straight white guys who know that they are guys. And this is having an effect. People are losing their jobs because they're white guys. They're actually, a, a white guy just cashed in for this, as he rightly should have. There was a marketing and communications executive who lost his job at a North Carolina healthcare system. And he lost his job, in, in his view, because he was a white guy. So this went all the way up to a federal court. Okay, lawsuit starts in 2019. David Duvall says that Novant Health's diversity efforts led to him being fired. Uh, he, his attorneys uh, claimed that he was fired out of the clear blue sky because he was a white guy and that the move was in keeping with the hospital's five-year plan to boost diversity by 2020. And the jury agreed. That, that actually is why. It wasn't just him, by the way. The chief legal officer, the medical group president, the chief information officer, the patient experience officer, and the president of Haymarket Medical Center were all replaced by a black person or a woman in the year to year and a half after he was. Not saying that the, the black people or the women were not talented, did not, but it is certainly the case that when a medical group goes out there and says, we're going to have a diversity plan, meaning we're going to replace the white people, specifically the white guys. And then within a year or 18 months, you have many of the top 
white guys just all fired. What? Because they all just suddenly got bad at their jobs and replaced specifically by people according to their race and sex. That is obviously discrimination. And this federal court awarded him $10 million, as well they should have. Good for them. There are some squishes who believe that this sort of racial and sexual discrimination is okay. The left loves it. The left supports it outright. But even some squishes on the right will say it's okay because of historical injustices. You know, so there was slavery. Slavery was very bad. So therefore, we need to discriminate against white guys today. Or uh, I don't really know what the gripe that the women are making is. You know, the women tried to kind of copy the civil rights movement. The second wave feminists tried to copy the kind of black civil rights movement, as did a lot of groups. There's a wonderful book on this by Mike Gonzalez called The Plot to Change America. It's about how the Ford Foundation and other very powerful left-wing institutions just copied the strategy of the black civil rights movement and tried to apply it to groups uh, where it was uh, less credible and authentic. But it, it worked and it turned everyone into a victim except for white guys. Now, the, the reality is everyone has some historical injustice that they can claim. I, I am of Italian extraction, largest mass lynching in American history was against Italians, right? 11, uh, 11 Italians were killed in New Orleans in 1891. Okay, where's my check? Where's my, where's my job? Where's my, where's my special treatment because of the, it's the largest mass lynching in American history. How dare you minimize that? How dare you not give me my historical grievance tokens, right? A lot of these squishes believe if we just entertain this kind of politics a little bit. If we just, yeah, look, discriminate against the, the white guys and the Asians for some reason. Why the Asians? I don't know. But you discriminate them in university, you discriminate against them in university admissions. You just do that for a few years, then it'll all even out. Then it can go away. Sandra Day O'Connor on the Supreme Court, a Republican nominee to the Supreme Court, said that, look, this affirmative action stuff, it's pretty bad. You know, it's not, it's probably not constitutional, but we're going to do it for a little while just to fix the social problems and then we'll get rid of it. And then we'll get rid of it. Will we? Is that what's going to happen? This is 15 days to slow the spread. This racial and sexual discrimination that's increasing in our country right now is 15 days to slow this. We're just going to do it for a little bit, guys, just to even a few things out, just to lower the curve just to stop the slow the spread of the racism or whatever, but then it'll stop. Oh yeah. We're on day 591 of, of 15 days to slow the spread. How long since we were told, okay, affirmative action, it's run its course. Okay. This discrimination against people on the basis of their race and sex, it's run its course. It's not going away. You got to fight it tooth and nail. Absolutely should stop this sort of thing. You know, there are people cashing in on this, and it's not just the white guys. People are cashing in on identity politics across uh, identity groups. The, this one white guy who lost his job, he's kind of the exception. Usually it doesn't go that way. But everyone else is cashing in on victimhood, including illegal aliens right now, to whom the Biden administration is promising to pay upwards of half a million dollars for breaking our laws. That's a lot of money. I bet you could buy some really nice window shades with that kind of money, which is why you could actually buy nice uh, window treatments for much less than that kind of money if you go check out Hunter Douglas. I never appreciated before just how important 
window treatments are for a house. I don't know. I'm a man. When I was a bachelor, I never thought about this at all. Then I get married. I get a house. I move to Tennessee. It's it's one of the most important features of your whole house because it's going to control how the light comes into the house and the light, it's going to completely transform the way that you live in your home. I'm, I'm not overstating it, folks. It, I, I've just been going through it for the past several months. And when you get those right window treatments, everything looks beautiful. Hunter Douglas will help you do just that with their innovative window shade designs, gorgeous fabrics, control systems so advanced, they can be scheduled to automatically adjust to their optimal position throughout the day. So you don't even need to think about it. it. They diffuse that harsh sunlight. They cast a beautiful glow across the room. Do not waste another second with harsh, ugly light in your home. Get these wonderful Hunter Douglas window treatments. They're incredible. HunterDouglas.com slash Knowles. Head on over there right now. Take advantage of the Season of Style rebate savings event. HunterDouglas.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Head on over there for limited time savings. Offer expires December 6th. 2021. There's a report out right now that the Biden administration is considering payments of $450,000 per person to people who crossed the border illegally and were separated by the Trump administration. You remember the kids in cages and the family separation and all the these slogans from the Trump administration that they all blamed on Trump, even though it was a policy that dated back to Clinton, Bill Clinton and the Flores settlement. A policy that was in effect under Barack Obama. Uh, today we have kids in cages under Joe Biden, but they all blame Trump for it. And now these people are being rewarded with almost half a million dollars. Could you use half a million dollars? I could use half a million dollars. That'd be nice. But in order to get that, I guess we need to go to Guatemala or some other country, walk all the way up through Mexico, flout the most basic laws of the United States, and then demand, where's our check? Give me my check. This is so deeply offensive to the people of the United States, to our system of laws, to our system of government, to our democracy, that we would subsidize people to come here. But that is what the left in this country is doing. I think this, if this goes into effect, again, it's just still a report for now. If this goes into effect, I think uh, that will be the firmest confirmation yet that the Biden, that the Democrats don't have, they don't have any interest in closing up that border. They are encouraging people to pour in because they think it gives them a political advantage. Speaking of places that it should be illegal to go, a public school, public elementary school in Florida, just took students on a field trip to a gay bar. A gay bar. This is Rosie's Bar and Grill. It is a place for sassy fun, according to their marketing materials. They took the kids there for a field trip and showed them all the pride flags and the rainbows. And they were wearing kind of little rainbow t-shirts when they were there. And they had a presentation about how great gay bars are, I guess. This, uh, this decision is shocking a lot of people because they think, oh my gosh, how can you, maybe the high school students, but the elementary school students, how could you take them to a gay bar? This is actually perfectly natural. I mean, it's not, this kind of education would not be natural, but the, the broader premise that you're going to inculcate 
your moral views in, in your students. That is part of education. Education is in part learning facts, learning dates, learning battles, learning math, learning arithmetic, learning how to read and write. But part of education is teaching people ethics, morality, how to live, right? The point of public education is to make people good citizens. And now part of the reigning ideology of the regime is the rainbow stuff, is the idea that any sexual desire you have, you should pursue it, is the idea that if you're a man who thinks he's a woman, then you really are a woman. I mean, that's on our passports now. So of course we're going to teach elementary school kids this. It's only natural. If they were in Catholic school, well, a lot of Catholic schools have gone pretty lib these days too. But if they were in Catholic school, they'd, they'd have mass. They would pray. They would learn the sacraments. They'd learn about the saints and the Ten Commandments. But they're not. They're in lib school. They're in woke school. And so they're going to learn the morality of, of the left. They're going to learn the anthropology of the left. That's just natural. If you want to stop this kind of thing, it's not enough to just say, hey, don't take kids to gay bars. That's crazy. You, you have to go a lot deeper than that. You have to say, hold on, what are we teaching? This is what, this is what the, the parents showing up to their school boards is all about. It's not just about one or two crazy incidents, a, a kid field trip to a gay bar or even that horrible rape in Virginia. It's not just about those incidents. It's about the whole thing. It's about the whole problem, that parents are being cut out of their kids' education, that parents are not allowed to teach the kids their moral views, their ethical views, their, their civics, right? They're, the country that they want to live in, that's not being permitted anymore. And the school boards are getting increasingly aggressive about this. There was a parent who showed up to a school board uh, meeting who was not permitted to speak until he doxed himself. I just want to remind everyone this is a business meeting of the school board. It is not a meeting that belongs to the public. Each speaker is asked to state his or her name and address for the record. Failure to do so will result in an individual not being allowed to speak. John, can you give us your name and address, please? Um, my name is John Wicklin. I live in Mankato. Could I get your address, please, John? Um, I'd rather not, since you guys Don't have it already. Don't give your address. You can't speak. And I get so much uh, property damage and eggs and everything else from fun people and their friends. John, to be on you the need board. to give your address. All right, I live on speak. Fifth Street. Excuse me? I live on Fifth Street. House number? Thank you. <clears throat> All right. So are our kids safe? What a thug this woman is. What a mobster. What a bully. She's saying there's a new rule. You got to state your address before you speak to the school board. This, I think this is called the Matt Walsh rule. <laughs> this is the rule to keep Matt Walsh and other conservatives from going to just random school districts around the country. So, okay, so they're implementing it. This is a way to keep those pesky conservatives out. This guy's in the district. This woman seems to know this guy. She says, excuse me, sir. You don't have to state your address. Because I don't want to state my address. People are attacking my house and egging my house, and it's just inviting people to come, come after me. Yeah, right. You're going to have to state it, though. You know, but you know who I am. You know, yeah, right. Uh-huh. What's your address? Okay, I live on this street. Oh, yeah, what's the number? Come on, you know what street I'm, you know that I'm in the district. You've, yeah, what's the number? You going to say it, buddy? It's a nice house you got there. Sure would be a shame if something happened to it. That's how serious they are about this stuff. That's how serious they are about the racial and the gender ideology. Okay, because it's not, a lot of squishes misunderstood this. 
And they thought, oh, this is some silly distraction. Well, the, the most naive of them thought, this is just a way to make up for legitimate historical grievances against black people, brown people, Native Americans, women, homosexuals, transgenderists, uh, I don't know, Asians. Well, Asians actually get discriminated against. Hispanics, immigrants, the disabled, the whatever, you know, any way that you can possibly claim victimhood. It's just a legitimate way to even out the playing field. That was the most naive view. It's never about that. Then the second most naive view was the view, oh, it's just a silly distraction. Okay, they're going to have their kind of weird sexual and racial stuff, but it's not a big deal. You know, whatever. Roll your eyes at it. It's not a big deal. No, no, no. They're dead serious about this. They'll dox you if you question this. They'll fire you if you question this. They'll ruin your life if you question this. Because this is the animating ideology of the whole regime. It would be as if in the old America, you questioned democracy, or you questioned the Constitution, or you questioned the Founding Fathers, you would be ostracized for that. You would be looked upon with suspicion. You could, you'd be a com- it'd be like in the old regime if you, were, if you were a communist. You could be prosecuted for being a communist, and many people were. Well, the same thing is happening now. It's just you'll be harassed and ostracized and fired and prosecuted even if you're a constitutionalist, if you're a conservative. They are dead serious about this stuff. Speaking of oppressive government bodies, right now in China, they are suppressing Christianity and Islam. They're suppressing any religion, forget it, just ideology, any religion, especially, that is uh, a threat to the regime there. And our corporations, American corporations that now make a lot of money overseas, are capitulating. They're going along with it. Apple has removed a popular Bible app and a Quran app in China after the Communist Party there uh, decided that the apps violated local laws because they hosted these religious texts. So the Bible app, Bible app by Olive Tree, which has over a million downloads, and Quran Majid, which is used by millions of Muslims, were taken down by Apple for compliance issues, not complying with the officially atheist government of China. No man can serve two masters gets back to what we were talking about in that comment at the top of the show. And our woke corporations, even American corporations like Apple, don't seem to have any loyalty to, certainly not to principle, certainly not to God, certainly not to ultimate things. They don't really seem to have very much loyalty to their countries, to the United States. These woke corporations trash the country all the time. Their loyalty is to the almighty dollar, and they will sell out anything. They'll sell out their God for 30 pieces of silver. That's very bad. And and unfortunately, the left doesn't care about that. The left is part of the cultural revolution. But the right has adopted a lot of that language too, especially really from the 1980s through the 90s, 2000s, 20-teens especially. Now it's starting to change. It seemed that the right in America had adopted this materialist mammon-worshipping position. We all want a robust economy. We all want a, a thriving, wealthy, flourishing country. But that's not the be-all and end-all of politics. That is in service of something greater. That is in service of a good, virtuous, stable, flourishing country. And right now, it would be very difficult to describe the United States that way. Speaking of religion, 
there was a very spooky article in the New York Times. There's a, there's a Halloween thread throughout this show. It's very subtle. I don't know if you've noticed. Very spooky column by Charles Blow in the New York Times. Headline, the married will soon be the minority. The mar- and this is true for the first time ever. It, it, it appears as though married adults are trending to become a minority of the adult population. This is because people are delaying adulthood, right? They're, they're per- perpetuating adolescence. They are not choosing to get married and stay married. They are not choosing to involve their religious community in the state and the public in their, what they now deem to be their personal romantic life. I don't think that it's, it's that marriage is on the decline because a lot of people are taking holy orders. That would be a good alternative to marriage, you know, becoming a priest or a nun or something, but that's on the decline too. It's because people are just a, a little bit well, one, they're a little more selfish. I think that's certainly true. That's just the ideology. And then this creates other problems for people who sincerely want to get married or who sincerely, you know, there are plenty of people out there who are lonely, who actually want to meet someone or who want to meet a good person. They don't want to just settle for some derelict or degenerate and they can't do that. It's like the dating pool has become a little bit poisoned. We live in swipe culture now where it's just so easy to move on and treat people like commodities. And so what the New York Times is asking, what Charles Blow is asking is, should we continue to reward and encourage marriage? He says, quote, as a society, we have to start asking ourselves whether it is fair and right to continue to reward and encourage marriage through taxation and policy when fewer people, disproportionately black ones, are choosing marriage or finding acceptable partnerships. So see, he adds the racial element here too, which is that right now, over 70% of black babies are born out of wedlock, right? This is a, a terrible situation for the black community. There are also extremely high rates of abortion, which is a worse condition for, for black people. But the, marriage has plummeted in the black community. That's bad. That's a sickness, especially within the, the black community. It's particularly pronounced there, but it's, it's really pervasive throughout all of society. And so what Charles Blow is doing is he's taking that sickness to be an argument for further destroying marriage. You know, I hate to say that we were right, we conservatives, but we were right. We were right about everything. Remember when we said, if you redefine marriage through, uh, you know, pretending that there's some right to define marriage as uh, a union of two people, regardless of their sexual nature, uh, that will destroy marriage. That will not help marriage. It will not grow marriage. It will not strengthen marriage. It will just further erode marriage. That, and, and this erosion of marriage goes back a lot further than just the gays, right? <laughs> you, know, you can't just blame it on the gays. It goes back to the no-fault divorce culture that we've, we adopted in the middle of the 20th century. This goes back to the uh, weakening of the religious institution of marriage. This goes back to the confusion of sex and gender roles, the idea that a w- woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle, this goes back a lot further. And so what Charles Blow is saying is, yeah, like put it out of its misery. Take it, take marriage out into the yard like old Yeller and just put a bullet in the back of its head because it doesn't mean anything anymore. And actually the existence of social illnesses, social pathologies, the idea that kids are born out of wedlock, that should be the argument for further eroding marriage because it's not fair. Because if black people in particular don't want to get married, then 
we, we as a society need to stop encouraging it. Is marriage always the ideal? He writes. And should single people pay a loaner tax? Institution? No, absolutely not for pursuing it. Charles Blow, by the way, he, had, he points this out in the column, is divorced. So he has an interest here. He says he doesn't want to get remarried. Now, the left loves this. The left wants to destroy marriage. And they're pretty open about it. And Charles Blow is saying it right here. The right wants to encourage marriage. Conservatives want to encourage marriage, right? We want, that's why there are incentives to get married because that's the bedrock political institution. It leads to a flourishing country. It's better for kids. It's better for everybody. So let's create some incentives for it. But then there are the squishes and the squishes are kind of the problem here. They're a little bit libertarian. They're the kind of the types who say, let's get government out of marriage altogether. Let's, who cares about marriage? Any two people can sign any contract they want. Who's, how are you to say that it's better for people to get married? Who are you to say, maybe it's better for them to stay single and do whatever they want or be in a thruple or a quadruple or whatever. The government has no role here. Who am I to say? I'm a person with two brain cells to rub together. That's who I am. I'm a person who knows that it's better for kids to be raised with mommy and daddy in a stable marriage, in a committed marriage that endures until death do they part. Because I, I don't know, because I've ever read a history book. That's who I am to say. Because I, I recognize that societies that encourage stable, serious, real marriage are better societies. And because I think that the government, meaning the people that we send to Washington, that we still have some say in voting for, that are still at least theoretically supposed to represent us, have an interest in promoting the general welfare and ensuring the blessings of liberty. Because I, I don't know, because I have like even the most basic rudimentary moral and ethical and philosophical education. So I know that there's such a thing as the good and that good is better than bad and that there are true things. We can know some true things. And here's one true thing. Marriage is good for society and for everybody. That's who I am. Squishes don't want to acknowledge that. So now you've got this really tough fight where you've got the conservatives who recognize, gosh, we got to protect marriage. And then you've got the squishes and the libs and the leftists who are all trying to destroy it. And they've kind of ganged up to destroy it. Why is government involved in marriage? Because uh, marriage is good, okay? And it's, a very, and it's the fundamental building block of society. And if our political order does not have something to say about marriage, then it doesn't have something to say about anything. It's inevitable. The, the government is going to have a role in defining marriage. One way or the other, whether it's to a man and a woman or a guy and a guy or three guys and a goat or whatever it is, it's, it's going to have something to say about that. But the squishes don't want to state that. Some people do, though. There's a great candidate in Arizona right now, Blake Masters, running for Senate. Boy, oh boy, is this guy focusing on issues that are a little more important than another corporate tax cut. In America, you ought to be able to raise a family on one single income. We used to be able to do this. Something happened, globalization, decades of inflation. Can't really do it anymore. I think that's a huge problem. So why don't politicians talk about it? And the left, they attack me. They want to say, oh, Blake, that's, that's sexist. But guys, there's nothing sexist about prosperity. There's nothing sexist about acknowledging that if, if people can, if people have the choice, most families would prefer to have one breadwinner and have one parent stay at home with the kids. I'm Blake Masters. I'm running for the US Senate in Arizona. And I approve this message because I want you to be able to afford to raise a family from one single income. This guy knows what's up. This guy knows what's up. Okay. And he's, he's pushing or he's, he's observing something 
that I, I think all too often conservatives miss, which is that it's not just social radicals who are pushing all the weird sex stuff. It's also greedy capitalists, okay? <laughs> it's also feminism and the ever-expanding LGBT acronym and the sexual revolution more broadly is really good for business, okay? Because it keeps, it first of all, forces women into the office so it gets them to be more economically productive and boosts GDP. It keeps wages down for lots and lots of people because you've just got more people in the labor pool. It, it discourages people from having kids. It discourages people from taking time off to raise those kids. It just keeps everybody working and working in the widget factory, all right? It's good for business, but our government does not exist, our society does not exist simply to serve mammon, okay? There are other important things too. Having a country, having borders, having a way of life, having rights, having liberties, having strong, thriving families, which are going to be the bedrock of all of that. If candidates for office do not understand that, they're not going to fix the problem. A handful of candidates appear to understand that, and I think we should support them. You know, if you want sports content without the woke, I sure do, then become a member at dailywire.com slash subscribe and use code do not comply at checkout for 25% off. Also check out the morning wire. Great new morning show. You know, the, the New York Times, I'll just call them out straight. The New York Times and other left-wing outlets, they are so smart. They're clever because what they do is they have these short little shows in the morning and they say they're just giving you the facts and the news, but really they're giving you leftist opinion, but they have a really soft voice. And they say, good morning. Good morning. This is the New York Times. I'm Michael blah, 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 blah. And, and, all, and the conservatives are really bad. Okay, now turning to other news, leftists are really good, you know, and that's what they do. And that's how they control the culture. Well, we uh, are not going to take that lying down. We have beaten them in the ratings. And so if you want the facts in the morning without the leftist spin, go check out Morning Wire. We'll be right back with the mailbag. Welcome back to my favorite time of the week, the mailbag. First question up from Raven. Hi, Michael. You mentioned you like Halloween. Can you give an explanation of the holiday other than a celebration of darkness and an opportunity for witchcraft evangelists? Thanks, Raven. I absolutely can do that. Uh, what we're preparing to celebrate on November 1st is All Saints Day, right? So we're, uh, this is a great holy holiday. This was uh, uh, begun in the 8th century. Uh, Gregory III consecrated a chapel in the Basilica of St. Peter to all the saints and fixed that anniversary for the 1st of November. Goes back even a little further than that in terms of the way that we celebrate these things. And so Halloween is the eve of this feast day. Um, now it, it takes on, it's taken on this other kind of role. You know, it's not like we all merely dress up as saints, although my little baby is going to be dressing up as a saint for Halloween and it's going to be extremely cute. Uh, but it, it takes on this dimension of the departed souls. It takes on this dimension of the saints who are in heaven. It takes on this dimension of some spooky kind of things, right? There, it was alleged after the Protestant revolution by the Protestant revolutionaries that, also, uh, that Halloween, rather, is just a Christian a Catholic version, uh, an attempt to co-op a pagan holiday. And there were a lot of claims made like this after the Protestant Revolution uh, about Christmas, for instance, about Easter. And they're just not true. 
And I'm not, I don't mean this just to dunk on some of the Protestant revolutionaries and PR people, but it's just not true. You know, the, the, when people tell you that uh, Christmas was dated to December 25th because it was just a pagan holiday and it was the Catholics trying to co-opt it or something or, or Easter or whatever, that, that is not the case. Uh, these dates go all the way back to the very beginning of the church or very nearly to the very beginning of the church. And the, re- the reason for it, for, for instance, in the case of Christmas is because it was understood by the early church fathers that a divine life has uh, a perfection to it. It has a perfect symmetry to it. And they uh, dated the conception of Christ to his death on the cross. And so what happens nine months later, you get the birth of Christ. That would just be one, one example of that. And they dated the, the uh, crucifixion to, uh, to the spring. So we could go on for hours and hours about all of these various dates. Um, but that, that is the, the, the dating of Halloween is because of the celebration of all of the saints. I also think, yeah, you shouldn't be performing witchcraft on Halloween and you shouldn't be like worshiping the devil, but making fun of the devil and making fun of demons is extremely Christian and cool and fun. Uh, because uh, there's St. John Vianney, great uh, Catholic priest in France, uh, and patron saint of parish priests. He used to call the devil a little idiot. He'd say, oh, there's that little idiot again. You know, oh, he's setting my bed on fire. Ha ha, what a stupid little idiot. So I think it's fun. Don't engage in the occult, but have some fun with it. Go door to door begging for food. That's extremely medieval and traditional. Very, very cool. Uh, go, you know, pull pranks on one another. Extremely traditional. We can have fun. It's totally fine. Uh, just don't. I guess this should go without saying, but just don't worship the devil. From Kristen. Hey, Michael, I have a question regarding Catholic theology. What does the Catholic Church teach about life before we are born on earth? It is a topic that is talked about in my church and theology, but I don't hear my friends of other faiths talk about this. Thank you for all you do at DW. Uh, Love your show. Sincerely, life is better with faith. Well, uh, the Catholic Church teaches that life begins at conception. And that uh, it's a bit of a complicated issue, I suppose. But rather than trying to understand the body and the soul as these totally disconnected things, which a lot of New Age religion, transgenderism tries to understand it that way. A lot of ancient heresies understand it that way. It's, I think, far better to recognize that your body and your soul are linked and that really your soul is the form of your body, to use some jargon from ancient Greece. And so when, when, when it says in the Bible that the good Lord knows us before we were formed in the womb, That can mean one of two things. It can mean that he knows us before we are created, which is a little bit confusing, or he knows us before the process of being formed in the womb is completed, or the process of being formed in the womb goes on for nine months. I think it makes much more sense to view it that way. Similar to uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. You know, people sometimes claim that St. Thomas Aquinas says it's okay to kill babies through abortion until a few weeks or until 40 days or 90 days or something like that. And that's not true. Uh, what St. Thomas Aquinas does believe is that conception is a process that takes much longer, and he's basing it on Aristotelian science, that takes much longer than than we know now that it does. We know now that conception occurs almost instantaneously. We can watch it happen, right? You can watch the sperm go into the egg. You can see it happen. And a life begins at the moment of conception. 
Unlike the kooky, spooky, new age, witchy, strange people who believe that your soul always existed, man, you know, and then it just kind of goes into a body, you know, and some new age cults believe that actually your ensoulment doesn't happen until after you're born. So then the soul is floating around, it finds a body and it goes into, and then you die and you're reincarnated, man, and <coughs> hold on, just have a, <coughs> you know, yeah, man, and then we're all just spirits, you know, bro, and we're floating around. All, no, you, your spirit and your soul actually does have something to do with your body. They are linked. And uh, so, no, you weren't just floating around beforehand. You were created by God and you should be very grateful for that. From Philip. Hey, Michael, I'm a first year molecular biology and neuroscience PhD student at the University of Denver. I do neurological research on mice, but there are some in my lab that use human embryonic cells for their research as well. If my professor asks me to develop my own line of embryonic human brain cells, what should I do? As a Christian, I know it's wrong to kill babies and do not want to partake in the validation of this practice. In the story of of Joseph, God takes evil and uses it for good. The best way I can rationalize my way around this evil is to know that I would be taking the literal remains of an evil event and using them for good to find treatments for neurological degeneration. What do you think? Sincerely, a guy who loves your show in science but loves God more. Ah, good. Like like Thomas More, you say, I'm the king's loyal subject, but God's first. Uh, The short answer is don't do it. Do not experiment on human stem cells that were derived from aborted babies. Do not do it. Refuse to do it. It, it, it. God can turn evil for good. That's God's job. You should not be engaging in evil actions in the hope that they can be turned to good. You are not God, first of all. You are not a consequentialist, I should hope. And we do not believe as Christians that good ends justify evil means. Do not, do not do it. It's very bad. You can work on the mice. You can even work on the beagles. I know people made a big deal about Dr. Fauci torturing puppies. And it was creepy and weird. I'm not saying I support it. But that is nothing compared to experimenting on uh, aborted babies. You should not, you should not be cooperating with evil, evil especially in that it's kind of a direct way. I'm very honored though. I just want everyone to take a pause and moment here. I hate to toot my own horn, but I'm very honored and flattered that a guy who's ex- obviously extremely intelligent and educated and works on <laughs> neuroscience is listening to this show. That's, that makes me feel like a very cool guy. Thank you. From Jonathan, dear Michael, my mother divorced my father 13 years ago and divorced her second husband three years ago. Both of them are good men and neither gave her any real reason to leave, cheating, abuse, etc. I recently told her if she ever got married again, I want nothing to do with it or her next husband. Is that a reasonable position? I still have a relationship with her, but it's rocky. I feel she's made a a mockery of marriage and another one wouldn't be legitimate before the Lord. And so I don't want to participate in a semi-blasphemous charade. Well, yeah, harsh, but fair, mostly fair, I guess. A marriage if she were to engage in what seems like a third marriage, it could be a a legitimate marriage if her first two marriages are annulled, if they are found not to have been legitimate marriages in the first place. Not just because she changed her mind afterwards and so somehow you'd be blessing the divorce, but if there is an annulment investigation and it is found that her marriages were not legitimate in the first place, then then what seems to be a third marriage would be legit. Uh, But it just sounds like your mom's got some problems, you know? And I know people like that got some friends and relatives like that, and they make a huge mess of their lives. And it's very unfair to children. And it's unfortunate for them. Sometimes they have kind of mental problems that lead to this, bipolar or something like that. Uh, but it's, it's very unfortunate. You certainly 
are under no obligation, really, nor should you participate in something that makes a mockery of marriage. You know, I don't think you would be uh, required to show up to, to this sort of thing. Uh, but you do have an obligation uh, in, under the fourth commandment to honor your mother and your father, you know, and you, you do have a filial obligation to them. And so I wouldn't cut your mother off and I wouldn't be a huge jerk about it. I would state your position in uh, charity and love and kindness and truth, uh, but, but she's your mother. You only get one of them, you know, doesn't mean you got to do evil things. Doesn't mean you got to ruin your life because of your mother, but you do have obligations to her. And uh, it's, if she's making a mess of her life, you should try to fix it. And uh, you should at least be there for her as long as that does not implicate you in doing, doing immoral things. From Sarah. Hey, Michael, I have a date this weekend. We're watching a movie. And since it's Halloween, we are going to watch a scary movie. Insert spooky ghost sound effect. What scary movie is your favorite? And if you don't have a favorite, just list a few of the top ones and I can see which one is free to stream. Ha, huh, thanks. Well, there are a lot of, I mean, the, the best one recently is A Quiet Place. The first, the second one's fine too, but the, the first one is actually really quite good. Um, that one's good. The, I remember The Exorcism of Emily Rose being particularly good. I did like that movie. Uh, in terms of the slashers, just the cheap kind of slasher movies, I always got a kick out of Halloween. It was just so what it is. It was just so that genre. It's not a particularly good movie. I love The Shining. The Shining is a great movie. There was another one that came out a few years ago that basically the punchline was just they were being bedeviled by Satanists. It was a pretty straightforward movie that was, that was good too. I forget the name of it though. So those are all good. If I had to pick one like spooky movie though, I'd probably do The Shining. From Nick. Hey, oh no. Oh no. Hi Michael, me again. Hi Nick, it's been a while. I feel like you and I have built a level of comfort and trust, so I'm going to tell you something that I've hidden my whole life, like a secret I've kept locked away. Recently, I started dating again. Not really for me personally, it just felt selfish not getting out there when so many women are lonely or were turning to lesbianism. This is where my bro-to-bro confession with you begins. I met this girl, I spit some game, and she ended the, she ended the clothing optional adventure before it began because she only dates tall guys. And I'm five foot and three fourths. Five, five, oh, five, seven. They cut off the five, seven and three fourths. Okay. Okay. I feel like this was God's only mistake. My vibe and persona is at least six, three, and I am not. My question is, uh, are height preferences just something I should accept when I meet babes, or is height discrimination wrong? And is this just a total shallow harlot who will end up marrying a washed-up NBA player on his fifth try? Sincerely, your other under-six-foot brother. Nick, I, you know, that was one of the cleaner messages you've sent into the... I don't know, is Nick even just one person, or have, has the audience just started channeling the spirit of Nick, and they're all, I don't know, maybe it's just one guy. Um... To your question, Nick, heightism is, t- look, I say, I'm not, I'm not 6'3". I'm not a basketball player, okay? I say this in a spirit of love. Heightism is just something you're going to have to deal with, buddy. You know, I think actually your view, I can't believe I'm saying this, your view on this is actually probably pretty good. Maybe the good Lord didn't make you 6'4", Nick, because you're such a Lothario. You're so impressive. You're obviously God's gift to women, uh, by your own telling. 
that uh, it was just, a, it's a little hurdle to, to le- level out the playing field, make it fair, recognizing that suffering can be a very sanctifying event. I think you could probably use a little sanctification, Nick, but maybe, maybe you're on the right track. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Happy Halloween. See you Monday. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Hey everybody, this is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Claven.